Hi, this is Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and you've been listening to The Great Big Beautiful Podcast. If you're a fan of good sci-fi and you haven't watched Battlestar Galactica, I'm sort of ashamed. <laughs> you're not a fan of good you. sci-fi then. <laughs> yeah, you know, and if, if you're doing it purely just because you're headstrong and because you're angry or this or that or the other thing, I think you're part of the problem in the world. Not to get too deep. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. This is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast on Twitter at the GBB Podcast, Facebook.com slash the GBB Podcast. I mention this sometimes, but there are some guests that when we have them on and we put, you never know the reaction that people are going to have when you announce, hey, we're having this guest, do you have any questions? Mm-hmm. And sometimes, sometimes it's someone like our guest today, Katie Sackhoff, and people know her from so many different places. And the response was unbelievable. I don't know if you if you saw it, Jamie, but people were just, you know, I loved her in this. And it's all different things. And it's amazing to me that she's played so many characters that resonate with so many people, you know what I mean, in different avenues. For, yeah. For example, I knew her mostly from the show Longmire on Netflix, but other people are Battlestar Galactica. It's just crazy. It's Yeah. It, it, I, I was a huge... So here's my thing with Battlestar is that I, I should have probably looked this up. I think it was on TV when I was living abroad. So right. I never saw it when it was on, you know, like in, in first run. So I came to it later. And when it was on Netflix, I binged it. And I watched mm-hmm. the entire thing and just was in love with it. Um, and I, so this was after the fact. And what amazed me is that I watched it years after it had aired. Right. Um, and it had not been spoiled for me. So BSG, the remake of Battlestar Galactica is one of those shows like Lost, you know, that mm-hmm. was it had a lot of mysteries built into it. And there were a lot of reveals later in later seasons about characters and, you know, who was a Cylon and who right. wasn't and what was somebody's real, real story um, that if you knew all of those secrets and stuff going into it, it might not have been as enjoyable for mm-hmm. you. But what was crazy to me is that I watched it years after and I wasn't intentionally avoiding news or information about the show. I just, I, it, it never came in front of my eyes. So mm-hmm. I watched it like com- completely unspoiled. Um, and I highly recommend that's how you watch the show. I mean, if you've never seen it and if you've never been spoiled, don't go Googling it to find out what, what it's about and who's a Cylon and everything. Because it's it's amazing when you you watch it like everybody did watch it for the first time to get those reveals and those, oh, my God, did that really just happen? I thought you were about to be like, and this is what what happens. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> Let Sorry. me spoil it for everybody. If you didn't watch it unspoiled, no. you can't now. <laughs> Yeah, and um, and yeah, so we, is is that role in Battlestar Galactica what you know her the most from? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, I know her as Starbucks. So, I right. mean, I know that she's done a lot of other things. She's she's well known for many other things, especially more recently. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you know her from Longmire. Um, but she 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 I first knew of her as Starbuck. Right. Um, and so that's sort of why I see her picture now. That's the first thing that pops to my mm-hmm. mind. And don't forget, she had the distinct pleasure of being an actress that was killed by Jack Bauer in 24. I right. just spoiled 24 season eight. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I, you, you said that to me when we were preparing right. for the interview and it was like, well, I really, I, I don't really remember her in 24. And then I went to look, I was like, Oh, season eight. I, I was, I wasn't watching. <laughs> Either, Dan, so I'm sorry. I apologize, yeah. Katie. I wasn't watching 24 when it finally got to season eight and I haven't <laughs> gone back to catch up, but she, she was a very, she was a, oh, sorry. She was a primary character. <laughs> right. That's that season. So. Yeah, as far as I just I just ruined season eight for people. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> sorry, great. guys. If you were binging twenty four, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're gonna go play the interview. Or as, do you, do we need to say anything else about Katie Sackoff? Do you want to? You want to talk? I think people know who she is. <laughs> I don't want to assume, any- but. <laughs> I mean, could we say enough? Really? Right. I mean, sit here and talk for hours. Why don't we just go in? We'll it? just we'll just play the interview w- with her. All right, yeah. we're gonna play it for you right now. Hope you enjoy. Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I wanted to start. I have a. I'm interested in where people come from and and the roads that they take to get to where they are. And you, from what I understand, you don't come from an acting family. Um, so I wonder what kind of a response you got from your friends and your family when you decided to pursue that career. Right. Um, so I was always like, um, a performer, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, two years old, standing on kitchen tables, dancing and singing. Um, that was always sort of me, but I grew up in a small town and, um, you know, um, dreams and aspirations to, to, to be an actor don't really exist. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I focused on other things for a long time. I, I was a competitive swimmer for years and had, had intended on swimming in college. Um, and um, that was my sort of, my, my sort of route. And um, then I, I hurt myself. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't swim anymore. And at 16, I sort of had to like reevaluate what I was going to do with my life. And I was really competitive. And I sort of had that, like, that edge um, of, like, well... If it's easy, why would you do it? Yeah. So I think I sort of set my sights on something that seemed impossible um, and told my parents that I was going to move to California and be an actor. Um, I think that part of part of where I got that confidence from was um, talk about the, you know, the purpose that somebody serves in, in, in your life and a time. Um, in high school, I, I dated a, um, a hockey player, Andrew Ference, who plays, I think, for Calgary now. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I'm so bad at this. Um, he's 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 up in Canada. It's either he's in Alberta. He's somewhere. He's anyway, somewhere. <laughs> um, he still plays. Um, and um, you know, he was playing in the the sort of like the the WHL, which is the when you're too young to like get drafted, sort of like mm-hmm. league. And um, so he was the same age that I was, a year older than me. And and we had like five of the these hockey players that went to our high school and I started dating him and we, we sort of spent most of high school, um, all of high school together. And, and, um, um, I saw him, we were together when he got drafted, um, by the penguins. And so I saw someone that was my age doing something that was 
presumably impossible. Yeah. And um, because of that, it gave me the courage. And he was living away from his family. He lived with a billet family. His family was up in Canada. I mean, like, this is like a 16-year-old that was an adult. Mm-hmm. And um, um, it, it made me realize that the dreams that I had, while still big and grand, were achievable. Yeah. Um, and so that's sort of where that came from. And so when I told my parents, they were like, mm-hmm, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> And then <laughs> every Christmas and birthday, I started asking for things for my apartment. Like, I'd be like, can I have a couch for Christmas? <laughs> can, I, can I have my, my silverware and my, 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 my plates and pots and stuff? <laughs> I think I was the only 17-year-old to move to California with a U-Haul to fill a one-bedroom apartment. Wow. Um, we went to, like, fl- like, you know, flea markets and garage sales. And, like, I mean, I had an entire one-bedroom apartment filled with stuff by the time I moved to California. Um, and so my parents supported me, you know, they, I think they realized that I was so headstrong. They didn't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it sounds like they were super supportive of you. Yeah. You know, I was really lucky when I was 16. Um, my mom saw an ad in the local paper to be a body double for Kirsten Dunst. And she was like, listen, if you really want to do this, let's get your feet wet and see if you even enjoy it. Mm Um, and, um, I had done some extra work like three years before, and I quit at lunchtime because I'm like, this is not for me. <laughs> um, so I was like, you, you want me to do what for how long? And you get paid what? I'm going home to mow lawns. Um, so, um, so there was this, this sort of meeting, and they realized, you know, just from seeing me, I'm too tall and, and too big to be Kirsten Dunst's body double. And um, the, the person there liked me and they said you should come back and audition for this role this character's got three scenes and and you know see if you get it and so um i went during lunch the next day at school and got myself an agent like <laughs> i went uh-huh. home and i told my parents i was going to audition for this role and my mom helped me memorize and i went back the next day and got it um and that i got me into the union so talk about how lucky break yeah, you right. know i i was taft Hartley into the union because it was a sag part and the director of that movie um, I guess saw something in me and convinced my mom to bring me to California so he could introduce me to his manager. Wow. Um, whom I'm still with today. Wow. So, and that oh. was in 96. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's everything sort of like happened for a reason. So I think my parents had an easier time letting me go knowing that I already had like two things on the list checked off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You weren't just going and saying, well, maybe I'll catch a break or maybe I'll just put exactly. in the hours. Yeah. Exactly. My break already sort of happened in yeah. the sense that I was already like one of the hardest steps into the business, which is yeah. just getting that damn side guard. Yeah. I would imagine as a parent that made it a lot easier too. I think so. <laughs> and I think that, I don't know. I, I mean, I look now at 16 year old, 17 year old kids and I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah. Um, you know, but blissful ignorance of youth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> When you uh, when you first auditioned for Battlestar, uh, were you a fan of the original, or was anybody in your family like did it did it did it hit home? Be like, wow, this is actually kind of cool. No, I had no idea what it was. Really, um, I I I wasn't born when the original was on. Yeah. Um, not to say that my dad wouldn't have had me go back and watch it, but my dad was never I, my dad wasn't a massive Battlestar fan. You know, yeah. which shocks me because I, I mean I grew up watching pretty much every single sci-fi thing that ever existed. It might have just he might have forgotten about it, but. Yeah. Um, um, I, um, or he might've actually been a bit old for it. You never know. But, um, so I read the script and I just wanted, you know, up until that point, I was sort of playing like stereotypical blonde 
bimbos for like five years, like, um, and just sort of like stereotypical, like dumb blonde chick. And, um, and I wanted to sort of change my career and the way people saw me. And, and I read this script and was like, oh my God, I get to shoot guns and like run around and like hurt people. This is amazing. I have to do this. Not never even having any idea what, yeah. what it was. And, um, when I booked the role, I called my, my parents to tell them, or when I was testing for it. And my dad was like, you know, before you do this, I think you should actually watch the original. <laughs> and I was like, why? And he goes, just watch it and call me back. I'm like, okay. So I sit down with my girlfriend, and we're like a bottle of wine in, turn on Battlestar Galactica, and we're getting ready to watch it. And I'm like, we must be really drunk because... <laughs> They're talking about Starbucks, and she's not even in the room. Like, this is really weird. We should go back and watch it. And then all of a sudden, I went, oh, shit. And I called my dad, and I'm like, I get it. <laughs> I get it. And I turned it off in that moment and never watched it again. Really? So, yeah, because I realized that I would, there was no point. Yeah, you're doing your own you know, thing. There, I was doing my own thing, and there could never be a comparison. Yeah. Um, because it was two completely separate people. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to dwell on Battlestar, but as the show went on, I think it went in different in directions that nobody was originally expecting the show to go in. Um, obviously, I mean, it, it was incredibly dark. It had these serious psychological and religious overtones, especially toward the end. Um, but Starbuck particularly became this really rich and complex character, you know, a character that we don't often see portrayed on TV. Um, right. I'm wondering how much input did you guys as actors have into how your characters were being developed, if any? Right. I mean, we had a, a ton. It, it, it truly was a collaborative experience in the sense that um, in the morning, if you went to set and we were blocking and you got through blocking and, and really, truly believed that your character wouldn't be there, they would write you out of the scene. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we really did sort of dictate what happened and it was so collaborative you know sometimes our rehearsals for one scene would be two hours wow. um and um and ron really championed that sort of like what's going on in your life thing hmm. um and you know i had said at one point i really want to know what happened with starbucks mom like i feel like there's something there and i was talking to david weddle and bradley thompson who died whom i'd worked with on my first series like four years earlier and um they said that's cool that's cool that's cool and they from that wrote maelstrom um hmm. because it was an idea that i had that there's something dark there and i really want to explore that you know and and so they they wrote that um episode for starbucks which was really really strong um and and we, we learned about sort of who she was as a child and why she is the way she is, which yeah. was really important. But, um, and, and I think that, you know, like I've said this before in an interview, that, that they had meant, at least on paper, to cast somebody much older than me in, in the role. Um, I was 21 when I got the role. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that because, you know, I'd already lived on my own for so many years, so, it, it, you know, not that at 21 I was grown up but I had so much growing up to do still and I was like this young woman sort of like with angst and, and insecurity and, and sort of going through all of those things from my own in my own life that it, you can't help but but see that as a writer and someone who's observing yeah um, and and sort of put that into a character yeah the uh Last question on, on Battlestar and the move yeah. on. I'm sorry. But, sure. um, no, that's okay. I, I, you know, I've been so far removed from it now. I could yeah. talk about it all day. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so obviously there are a lot of theories about what happened to Starbuck at the end, and I know Ron Moore is on record as saying that it was intentionally left ambiguous, and not really asking what you think happened to her, but I'm wondering, like, in the end, take her whole story with whatever happened to her from beginning to end, what does she symbolize for you? What does Starbuck represent for you? Um, to me, she was the ultimate sacrifice. Um, it was sort of like I, you know, I, I mean, to me, she was um, a role model, yeah. and sort of um, a, a, a leader through life, which was something that, that I think I had pieces of growing up, but, but she sort of like, you know, she gave me my voice as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I always sort of was a yes ma'am, no ma'am, because that's the way I was raised. And Starbuck gave me the strength to be like, um, yes, ma'am, while I respect you, I completely disagree. Um, And that was something that I I was, that was not in my personality growing up. Um, And so to me, though, her sort of story represented the ultimate sacrifice that, that you have to make for survival. You know, had she not died, um... Um, whatever came back in her place would never have been able to be there. Yeah. So it, it was sort of, um, it, it was that sacrifice. And I think that that's sort of what Battlestar represented. Every single person had to sacrifice in order for people to, to in order for us to get to where we were going. Hmm. Fantastic. Can I ask, can I ask one more thing before we leave Battlestar? Yeah. It, it's, it's sort <laughs> of related of to something that, that you already mentioned, but um, a, a lot of people were really angry about Starbuck, going back to what you said before, about Starbuck being female this time around, um, but yeah. you know a lot of people really loved it. Why do you think so many people were so angry about it, and and how did that, if it impacted you at all, how did it impact you and how you approached the role? Yeah, well, I completely understand it. I mean, anytime you feel passionate about something that looks one way, um, it would be really difficult to have it look a different way. Um, I I get that, you know. Um, I actually feel really bad for the people, though, that still haven't watched it. I actually feel that um, that they're doing themselves a disservice and yeah. the show as a as a whole a disservice because there's so much. If you're a fan of good sci-fi and you haven't watched Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> I'm sort of ashamed. <laughs> you're not a fan of good you. sci-fi then. <laughs> yeah, you know, and if, if you're doing it purely just because you're headstrong and because you're angry or this or that or the other thing i think you're part of the problem in the world not to get too deep but um um so i don't you know it's um i experienced a lot of hatred um some of the the meanest things that could ever be say to said to a person were said to me i think um by fans of the show um i was told that i should die um, that if, if, if killing me brought back a male Starbuck, then that's what they felt that they should do. I mean, people got really mean. Um, <clears throat> the good uh. news is, is that the internet didn't really exist then. Um, and so, um, most people didn't have personal computers at that point. So you had to go to an interca- internet cafe and log on to read what people yeah. said about you. And I did it. And I read, <clears throat> this one person wrote that, <clears throat> I was so ugly that I looked like I was born with an ugly stick in my... Uh, I was born having been hit with the ugly stick, crawled the ugly stick tree, 
fell out, hit every branch on the way down on my face, and then landed on my fat fucking ass. Oh, my God. And I still remember it because I was like, wow, that's really, really descriptive. Yeah. I mean, good for you. Like, if you're going <laughs> to skew hate, you know, you might as well, you might as well actually be that descriptive. And I realized in that moment that, like, I was so hurt because, like, it was like a personal attack on me. And I was just like, wow, okay, I need to stop this. And so it affected my performance in the miniseries because I was so scared because people were so angry that I was a woman that if you watch the miniseries again, I'm trying a little too hard Mm. to be masculine um, because I was so worried about it. And then I realized after someone wrote that that I would never win. Yeah. Not fully, not with everyone. And I gave up and just said, you know what? I'm just going to make this character my own. And then I found her in the first, the first season of the show. By episode four, I figured out who she was as a person. And I did it on my own because of the adverse sort of effects that listening to fans had on me in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a fan of lots of things. I enjoy lots of shows and books and films. I can't imagine liking something so much that I feel that attached to it and have to personally attack somebody who's involved in it. Like I just, that, that mindset just completely escapes me. Because you're a normal person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, I think that the internet is such a beautiful thing in, in that it's, it's provided this wealth of constant accessible knowledge. Um, but it's also provided, um, a, a forum for, um, anger, um, and, and vitriol. And, um, it's so evident even now. I think that, you know, it's, I've always said this, people don't go online and spend the time to say something positive because they're happy. People go online to say things that are mean and angry Mm -hmm. because they're angry about it and they feel like they need to say something about it. And, um, and that's all regarding our, all things, you know. Um, and so I am, um, when I was sick, not this is totally off subject, when I was sick right after Battlestar and I had to have my thyroid removed because I had cancer, mm-hmm. I went online and read chat groups, you know, chat forums about mm-hmm. like what, what I could expect, what it would be like. And I finally had to walk away from it because there was not one person on any of these forums that said, you're going to be okay. Yeah. You're going to be fine. I'm happy. I'm healthy. Nothing's changed. This is your life now. Don't worry. There was not one person. And I looked for months because I was petrified. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what the Internet is for, is for angry people, in my opinion. And it's it's sort of, it's just, you know, it's it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about something happier. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah. you, you came away um, from Battlestar you and Trisha Helfer have remained very close in the years since um, two, two questions because I know you guys have started up a charity together also N- number one is how common is that do you think to come away from a project with such a good friend um, and I was wondering if we could talk also a little bit about Acting Outlaws and Why Bikes and what you guys are doing there yeah for sure um you know, Trisha and I, anytime you spend seven or eight years of your life with a group of people, you're sort of, um, even if you have nothing in common, <clears throat> and even if you don't speak, um, <clears throat> you know, going through sort of what we've been going through this week as a as a, a cast, 
Um, you know, I haven't spoken with Aaron Douglas in two years, mm-hmm. um, just because we've been busy and we have different sort of lives and things. And, and um, he and I have been, we immediately reached out to each other again. Yeah. And it was, and made sure to tell the other one that how much we love them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really important. You know, we're all getting together next week, the whole cast. Oh, wow. Um, because we want the whole cast, the crew, the writer. I mean, it, everyone who is involved is, is going to try and get there in the sense that these were, this was our family for eight years. We love each other <clears throat> tremendously. And, and when you lose someone that you love so much, you, you sort of, it reminds you that you haven't told enough people how much you love them. And yeah. so it was sort of like this mass telling everyone we loved each other. And, and, um, and so Trisha, Trisha and I became really close. Um, we found out in like season, <clears throat> I think two, that the guy that I was dating uh, went to college with her husband. Um, and so it sort of <clears throat> made it really easy for us to become friends because yeah. we were sort of attached already at that point. And we learned how to ride bikes together, and it 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 it, um, it gave us that in common. Um, and so, like, we see Michael Trucco all the time, too, because he rides bikes also. So it's sort of like we have that in common. Um, <clears throat> and um, but so we started acting outlaws because Trish and I sort of are cut from the same cloth in the sense that, like, <clears throat> if your life is better than the person's life standing next to you, you should do everything in your power to help that person. Um, and sort of that's sort of the way we were both raised. And we feel the same. We have the same affinity towards animals. And... Um, and and other things as well, animals being one of them, but other things. So we sort of, when the Gulf oil spill happened, we sort of like very quickly put together this charity group, the Acting Outlaws, because um, my fiancé at the time and her husband were both from New Orleans proper. So <clears throat> we felt like we needed to do something. And so we did the cross-country motorcycle ride to raise money and awareness because people, it had been a year and people had, you know, were, they weren't talking about it anymore. Um, and it was still, you know, it was, it was still bad. Yeah. Um, and so that's sort of how it started. And, and so we just sort of, what we realized was that if we could sort of marry two things that we had passion for, which is riding motorcycles and then doing good, um, that that was something that we wanted to do, and that's sort of how Acting Outlaws sort of stayed um, Acting Outlaws, I guess. Yeah. You, you've also said that you know, above and beyond the the fundraising and the awareness that you that you do with it, um, you're you're also out there to inspire people to get out of their comfort zones. Is that still a goal? Absolutely. That's I think that's a goal for me, um, just as a human being. Yeah. I think to sort of. Um, every day to do something that scares you is is something that we should all sort of strive for. Um, you know, it's it's um, life is full of the of unknown things that could potentially scare you, and and if you allow yourself to be crippled by that, um, you could potentially miss out on so many um, fulfilling things that bring so much like beauty to your life. And I think that that riding motorcycles is one of them. I mean, it was something that really scared me. I mean, I, I, um, I don't know, as strong and and independent as people think that I am, Mm. I'm still very much like, you know, wear heels and dresses and a girly girl. Yeah. And, um, 
um, I didn't think that I was anywhere near strong enough to be able to ride a motorcycle. Um, and that's sort of one of those things is, you know, when Trish and I now have been riding for over 10 years and we're starting to see more and more and more women ride, and we love it. Um, women are fun to ride with because I think they actually make better riders than men because we focus a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, Speaking of... Um... Sorry. Jane. No, go ahead. Speaking of, of of writing, are you are you and Trisha doing the tulip write again this year? We are actually, yeah. So awesome. Trisha and I are doing that. Um, uh, we've got some friends that we're bringing with us again, um, and um, Kurt and Chris from Sons of Anarchy are coming again. Um, our friend Adam Gasser, who's a, a custom bike builder, who's just an amazing. He and his wife build some brilliant, brilliant. Um, custom bikes over at Gasser Customs, and um, then Carl's coming again as well, and then Trisha's husband. So we have a we have a good group of people, but we all ride. There's a ton of us. Like we've got a group of of actors. There's a ton of us that ride. It's it's really quite funny. Like when the writer strike was going on, it was like everyone was unemployed because we couldn't work, and and we were working because we were up in Vancouver. So Battlestar actually managed to. To um, continue unscathed, but you know, it's if you see people riding in a big group on a Wednesday in the afternoon, they're usually actors. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I wanted to ask you because you also just mentioned this. You, know, you describe yourself as the quote unquote girly girl. Um, ironically, though, so many of the roles that you've become known for are these really tough, badass characters. Um, and I think a lot of that probably plays into the, your 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 mantra there to do something that scares you every day but has the direction your career has taken and you know the roles that you've taken has that been strange for you because so many of them I, I would assume have been opposites of how you really are in real life it's kind of funny in the sense that I mean I did grow up sort of like with a foot firmly planted in in both sort of um um, girly and I guess masculine sort of like um, stereotypical things anyway um, you know I always joke that like yes I played with Barbies but they were in my brother's Tonka trucks and I was driving them down the stairs like launching them down the stairs um, you know yes I wore tutus and, and tiaras but I also wore them while I was making mud pies like I mean it was like so I I always sort of straddled both both sort of like um, stereotypes I guess but um yeah, I, I you know I, I like I got into acting because I I wanted to step outside of who I was as a person. Um, I I you know in high school I didn't really like myself, um, and acting provided me an escape from that. Mm. Um, and I think that it's only a natural sort of inclination to play something that's opposite to you because it's different and fun and, and it allows you to wear a mask and protect yourself and, and I think that's sort of what, I, what I've what i done um, um, I, you know I also <clears throat> I grew up watching you know sci-fi and, and action movies with my father so I mean I literally wanted to be Bruce Willis growing up I wanted to save the Nakatomi building that is who I was I, I mean like it's sort of I, I I mean it's it's the fact that like I want to do like a female Die Hard like I'm like come on like yeah. someone's got to do this but, <laughs> that, but that's, that's a reboot I would I would definitely like to see <laughs> right I know right um, so I mean I want to save Christmas it's <laughs> sort of one of my things but um, I, so 
it sort of made sense for me to sort of go in that direction because my father gave me my love of film and those are the movies we watched growing up. You know, it was, I, I say this all the time, that we would go back and forth from watching Care Bear movies together to watching Predator, and yeah. I was like seven. So um, um, it, it, it does make sense, um, but it is still very, very different from, from who I am, Yeah, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wonder if, I mean has have have you brought more of yourself into your characters or do you think that you've taken some of the, the that those badass qualities of your characters and changed who you really are off the screen more like which way oh. has the influence gone more oh god i've never been asked that i th- <laughs> i think both yeah um i think that it's sort of a mutual love affair between my my characters and myself yeah um and like I said, I mean, there's so much of myself that 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 became Starbuck. Um, but I also learned so much from her that she shaped who I became as a woman, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that it's sort of like a a happy medium. But you know, I, that's so, that's what's so great about being an actor, though, is that you you get to put on these different personalities and these different careers and these different these different sort of emotional states to further your own growth as a person um i mean it can only help but make you a different person or a better person or a stronger person if it's not then you you might not you might not (laughs) you might not be doing it the right way yeah (laughs) you know i mean i hate to i hate to say that but it's it's you can't help it you know i mean with don't knock twice i was playing a woman that i could not relate to i mean this is a woman who got so um like overcome with her drug addiction that she lost her child. Mm-hmm. I-, I can't identify with that. But what I can identify with is her struggle and her drive and sort of strength to pick herself back up and fight to atone for something that she did that was wrong. Yeah. Um, that's something that, that I could, we could learn from. That's some strength right there. So I think that it could only open your eyes to, to different aspects of, of the world and different yeah. sort of, you know, positions that people find themselves in yeah do, do you find that you take aspects of different characters and use those to inform other characters or do you start with a clean slate so like for example is there any starbuck in vic yes i think there's probably a little bit only because there there's a little bit of me in yeah. both of them yeah um so yes i think there are tiny similarities but i i also watch both of them and i think that they're completely different in my mind um i, I went to um, Luca Vavum last night, Nathan Fillion dragged a bunch of us out to this, um, luchador mixed with, um, um, I, I don't want to say striptease. What's it called when they... Burlesque? Burlesque. Um, thank you, burlesque. A luchador so was, burlesque? It was... I saw the uh, picture on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. There's a picture that I think, I don't know who took it, if it was Nathan or, um, our friend Brecken, but... One of them took the photo of this look on my face that's slightly appalled, <laughs> slightly terrified that I'm going to get struck down on the way home, um, really intrigued and also teeny bit turned on, like, it's like a little, it's like one of the funniest, I've never seen that expression on my face, because it's, it's sort of, I'm just all sorts of jammed up in that photo. Um, 
But I was screaming all night, so my throat hurts right now, so that's why I keep coughing. <laughs> you have a good excuse. Um, <laughs> it was good. I needed to get out and laugh. Um, so it, we were talking about Starbuck. Oh, and the characters. Yeah, so I, I think there's similarities. I, I don't see the similarities between them, um, partially because they're separated by 10 years in age. Right. So I think that they can't help but be be different and they come from very different worlds and um, Vic comes from a very supported family and I, I don't n- necessarily think that Starbuck did yeah, no. um, or not stereotypically anyway so I don't know um, y- you can't help but play have a little piece of yourself in everything you do I sure think. sure how does it feel knowing that a lot of your roles especially so- someone like Starbuck was pivotal in paving the way for a lot of other strong female roles I mean Without Starbuck and Battlestar, I don't think The Expanse would be a show right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, um, I'm a like a massive proponent in every woman possible succeeding, um, because every time every time someone does something that's that's difficult, it sort of paves the way for the rest of us. And I I think that that's who Starbuck was, and a testament to Ron Moore and and everyone that wrote her and created her. Um, and it just being such a such a welcoming, supportive environment to do that. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I look at, that's what Sigourney Weaver did for all of us. You know, that's what Linda Hamilton did. That's what, that's what um, um, Lucy Lawless did. Like, yeah. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Like, all of these women that played strong, strong sort of, like, kick-ass women... Um, Elijah Dushku. I mean, there's so many of them that played roles that sort of were just, it's like a ladder and we just keep stacking it on top of the next one. And it's just, um, they just keep getting better and better. Yeah. Speaking of, of very strong female characters, um, you were an early fan favorite for Carol Danvers for the Captain Marvel movie, um, which I do have to agree, it would have been perfect casting. But I <laughs> wonder if, do you even have interest in entering that superhero game? Not really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Listen, I mean, <laughs> um, I'm sure I would find a reason to say yes. <laughs> I, I, I would. I would only be so lucky, you know, that that um, that somebody over there would think that I could translate into that world, you know. Yeah. Um, so I would, you know, but I was never really, from my perspective. I was never really on the in the game for that. That wasn't my race. Right. Um, you know, I think that something that Marvel does is they cast um, the unexpected. Um, and I think that with Brie, they've done that perfectly. Yeah. And with me, it would have been a little like people would have known exactly what they were going to get. And I think that there is a there is a um, there is a sort of a, a security in that as an audience member to know what you're going to get. But I think that, I think that that role and it, I think it's sort of, we don't want to know what we're going to get. That's what's so beautiful about it is, is it's a, it's a whole new story and, and platform for strong women. And, right. and, and Brie has proved herself to be a phenomenal actress. So, you know, I, I think that, that there's, there's no stopping her and what that project could be. Oh yeah. I wanted to um, ask if there's any update on rain. Oh God. Yeah. So um, rain, believe it or not, has been something I created 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
And it was just getting to a a point where not only was I available to actually, you know, play Rain herself, but um, I was at a point where people wanted me back in that universe. You know, I mean, it's been a while since I've done, um, I, I like to call it speculative fiction, mm-hmm. not sci-fi. Um, it, it's been a while since I was sort of in that, that genre. Um, and I think that I needed to take a break to give audience members a um, a breather and then to come back um, and do something completely different. So um, we're in the pitch process right now of just sort of hoping it lands at, at a home somewhere. Um, and at the end of the day, if it doesn't, then it doesn't. You know, I, I did something that scared me tremendously, which is go into rooms with executives and pitch a project that I create that was a brainchild of mine. Um, um, and that was really scary. Yeah. And so even if it doesn't work, that's okay, because I'm, I'm more capable now than I was a week ago. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, hopefully it lands someplace. I'd love, in my mind and what it is on paper right now, is so interesting to me as a fan of, of um, television and, and sort of, you know, genre that it... Um, I, I pray that it does, but if it doesn't, then, you know, well, maybe I'll figure out a different way to get it made as a film or something, you know, because it's, it's a great idea. Let's <laughs> talk about Longmire, because we haven't talked about Longmire okay. at all. Um, <laughs> so that's a show, it's a, it's, a, it's a famous example now, a show that was canceled before its time and then was rescued yeah. by Netflix in this case. But the entertainment industry is in such a constant state of flux and growth um, and it's going in these new and unexpected and crazy directions that we couldn't even predict. It's hard to keep up as a as somebody watching it from the outside. But as an actor, is that is that frustrating for you that you don't know where it's going to be tomorrow, or is it just exciting because of the the unknown unknowable of it? You mean the show itself or the business? Well, the business, and then we'll talk about the show itself. Yeah. So I mean, the, the business is constantly changing. Yeah. You know, I think right now we're sort of in a really interesting position because there's so much content and so many platforms and forums for that content um, that as actors, it, it's, there's a lot of opportunity out there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, um, the business is, like I said, always changing. And, you know, there's, there's talk that I agree with that, you know, we go to an a la carte sort of cable system if that happens, it's going to dramatically change the business in the sense that, that if, if you're no longer paying uh, a large amount of money to get, you know, um, 200 channels mm-hmm. um, where the top five of those channels take most of the money and it becomes a la carte, it's going to be really difficult for smaller networks to have the funds to make the great television they're making. Yeah. Um, So, you know, if people had to a la carte choose and you said, you know, I want, you know, would you pay $20 a month for AMC or would you pay $20 a month for all of these other things if that was the, or $10 a month if that was the only channel you got? Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see how that changes the business. Um, and the model, you know, because that's basically what we're doing with Netflix and, and Amazon and the Hulus is you're paying $10, yeah. you know, and you're getting their content. So if you have to pay $10 to get 
all your other shows on all these different networks, I think it's it's going to change the business a bit, and and we're going to see how that happens in the near future. I think. Yeah. It, so and that is a bit scary because it it does change, and and um, the older you get in this business, and the more you've sort of seen like these different ways of of you know where things are and where they're going, you sort of you're you're forced to do like rain. Create your own content. Let's right. find let's find other opportunities to create longevity in this business because no one's gonna do it for you. Right. Um part of the reason though, I think, that Netflix picked up Longmire was because the show had such a rabid following. The fan base was, was mm. loud and vocal and, and and pretty big. Um but it's a completely different kind of fan than something like Battlestar has. Um, yeah. And w- what's interesting is that, I mean, with Battlestar or, you know, Star Trek or Firefly, those kind of shows, there's already this um, structure in place through like Comic Cons and, and things like that where word gets out and uh, actors can go. But with a show like Longmire, that doesn't really exist. So it, it seems to me that like the fans of shows like that, in order to have a show get saved, they've got to be really well organized. Yeah, I mean, the Longmire posse, God love them, you know, I mean, these people were loud, vocal, and constant, Um, and um, they did a a phenomenal job, Um, you know, don't forget for one second, though, that if something's not lucrative for for a business, that they're going to, they're going to lose money on it, you know, that they're going to put themselves out there so there, there was a financial interest in, in picking the show up, absolutely. You know, something like Netflix is a subscription-based um, platform, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they knew that if they took our 6 million viewers and half of them came over to Netflix, that it was worth it. Um, so, so it, the, you know, it, you, you look at it from a creative standpoint, and, and I don't think that we would be on Netflix without the fan base because mm-hmm. they were loud. But it was also um, a financial decision, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I've, I've talked to a lot of people who have shows you know, through Netflix, and creatively there's one thing that just comes through loud and clear. What everybody down to a person has been saying is that the creative freedom at Netflix is unparalleled. You know, they they mm-hmm. provide notes sometimes, but you know, it's they're very much hands off, and they let the creative people on that specific show do their thing, and they don't get involved. Have you right. noticed a big change when from before and after the Netflix move? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be great if everybody sort of stayed in their lane? Yeah. <laughs> You know, it would be a lovely thing if it was like, oh, no, you're the director. I'm yeah. not going to tell you how to do your job. Like, why would I do that? I'm the actor. <laughs> it's sort of, it would be nice if, you know, it's sort of, unless there's a collaboration and it's a respectful collaboration, then by all means, you know, go do what you're going to do. But, but um, I, yes, when we went to Netflix conversations, we stopped having conversations about what my goddamn hair looked like. <laughs> you know, I, it is the one thing that every woman in this business can relate to is the amount of notes that you get about what your hair does really or what it should do is far exceeds any other note you will ever receive wow um fascinating and that to me was always like are you kidding me like my one note from the network is that my hair looked different in a scene really (laughs) or they didn't like my hair 
how about my acting? Was yeah. that good? Oh, they didn't notice that. So it's one of the, it's a it's a when you that's a that's a huge change, you know, when you go to yeah. a place like Netflix where they say to you we trust that you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Just do it. You're fine. Yeah. That's why that's why we that's why we picked you up in the first place. We believe you know what you're doing. We're just going to stand back here and let you guys do what you've done and then give you the freedom and get out of your way. Yeah. And and that's such a that's such a beautiful thing for creativity, um, um, is to to give people trust and ownership in a product. They try ten times harder. Do you think that they're changing the model in that respect too? I mean, obviously they've changed a, the dynamic of the distribution model for a lot of different you know companies and in, in, in the industry as a whole. But in terms of that hands-off creative freedom, do you think that that's going to sort of seep out from Netflix and translate into some of the other more traditional um, studios? I have no idea. Yeah. I have been blessed to be on the same show for seven years. (laughs) I will let you know. Excellent. I have no idea. This is the first time in 20 years that I have not been attached to a TV show. Wow. So, um, or a pilot or something like that. But, um, yeah, it's, um, um, it'll be interesting. I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. Is that, is that, is that in keeping, is that in keeping with your do something that scares you every day? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really easy to be fearful and just take the first job that comes because as women in this business, we're trained to believe that this is your last job. And you better not say no, and you better not stick up for yourself, because that's, then you're difficult. And if you're difficult, then you won't work anymore. And they don't want that. Yep. So, um, so it, 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 it takes a strong team around you to sort of remind you to, to find reasons to work and say yes. I mm-hmm. mean, you never want to be the person that says no all the time. Um, but, but you also have to to have the the sort of like the strength and the perseverance to find what's right for you, mm-hmm. um, which is hard. What do you look for? Like when you when you get pitched these different scripts or different you know scripts come across your your desk or whatever. Like what are you looking for for that next project? Um, I usually look for originality of character mm-hmm. um, for myself. Um, you know, if it's a if it's a if it's a hat I haven't put on before. Um, that's usually something that intrigues me for sure, because that's sort of, um, um, as everyone can attest to in this business, you will get offered the same roles all over again, Um, which is so interesting because it goes in waves. So right after Battlestar Galactica, it was like, well, she's the strong woman and she, you know, she's like this masculine strong woman. Like she can't play that character. So, and then you get a job where someone takes a chance on you and they cast you as a mom in a horror movie and dye your hair red. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're the horror person (laughs) who plays moms and like has a face for horror. And so, and you can't play those strong characters. God, she can't play strong. You can only do your last project, right? Your last role. (laughs) Exactly. So, um, so I usually look for, that's what I mean when I say originality of character, something that, that is different for, from the things that I've been playing lately. Yeah. Um, Okay, and now for real, I'm gonna we'll we'll, we'll let you go. But before we do, 
Um, I was wondering if you had a particularly fond memory of Richard Hatch that you might be able to share. Mm. Yeah, you guys are going to make me cry. I'm sorry. Um, you don't have to answer if it's too difficult. No, 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 it's, it's okay. It's, um, um, Richard, above uh, everything, was like this fierce sort of champion of like um, uh, putting yourself out there and, and growing and, and sort of learning and, and um, he would want people to be talking about him um, because um, and celebrating his life because he accomplished so much, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and even for people that, that never saw Richard Hatch in a movie or on a TV show, um, he accomplished so much as a human being more so than than anyone else I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, he he had this ability to um, to when you were standing in front of him and he was talking to you. Um, he had this ability to make you feel like you were the only person that existed, mm-hmm. and he looked through you and into you and sort of made you feel comfortable in being whoever you were and and whoever you needed him to be um and i remember the first time i met him we were um i was going to new york comic-con and this show hadn't uh really aired yet i mean i think that i think people watched it and i I, you know it was really before the internet so i don't really remember what was going on but Mm -hmm. i remember being booed at (laughs) comic-con when we went in san diego so Jeez. going to another um, convention was sort of a thing that, like, scared me. But I, I went to, to New York Comic Con, and um, he and I had flown in on the same flight, I guess. And, and they, um, he was in the front seat, and I was sitting in the back. And I didn't really know who he was because I didn't watch the original, and, and I, I couldn't really recognize him from the front. And, um, and he turned around, and he was like, so, so you're Starbuck? And I went, yeah. And he goes, you'll do. Um, and um and it was a testament to like you know who he was is this person you know this is a guy that spent so much of his life trying to get this this his character of apollo and his story of battlestar sort of um out there again and when that obviously looked like it was never going to happen for him Instead of do the thing that you would think a person would do, which is, you know, no offense, but write articles called Save Starbucks Genitalia, hmm. he did the thing that Richard Hatch does better than anyone I know. He supported it, figured out how he fit, what his role was going to be, and if that was as a viewer watching it with pride, then that was great. That was enough for him because he loved it so much and he loved people. He loved creativity. And um, because of that, he found a place on the show and became a part of this family all over again. And um, he was just, you know, we could we should all be so lucky to be as whole of a human being as he was. He was just such an amazing man and so good and so kind and such a teacher of life um, that it's a, it's a really big loss. It's a yeah. really big loss, and not just for us, for every single person he ever came in contact with at a convention 
because you made that person feel so important to him because you were important to him. And that's, we should all learn from that because that's who he was. And that's his legacy. You know, not, not the characters he played, but who he was. Katie, thank you so much for your time, for your memories, yeah. and for your uh, insight. This has just been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you guys Katie. so much. I appreciate it very, very, very much. So, Justin, regular listeners of the show may have noticed that you sounded different in this episode. <laughs> yes. Well, I go. I have an alter ego named Will, uh, <laughs> writer, writer extraordinaire for Geek Dad. That's just you know something I do in my spare time. No, <laughs> um, no. Sometimes we do the show and things. We just like this was a last minute scheduling conflict. We just didn't. We really. The, we had a different time than what she had. And we well, were already here, do- okay. Let, let me let me let me take the fall for this. Okay. So, <laughs> on the one hand, this did come together very very quickly. Right. So, I heard from her people like late on a Thursday, and they said, "Can you talk to her tomorrow?" Um, well, I'm not going to say no. If I'm <laughs> yeah. available, you know, then like sure, we can set that up. You know, I'm not going to say, "Oh no, let's look into next week," and then have it not happen. Right. Um, and. I goofed by thinking that the time that they told us was Eastern time. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they meant Pacific time. So Justin and I were ready to go at the Eastern time. And, you know, (laughs) when when we weren't connecting and we're like, oh, is she just running late? Um, I realized that I goofed by three hours. (laughs) So that's my bad. It's all good. And it turns out that... you were not able to make it three hours later because of family issues. Um, so I felt awful. <laughs> That's okay. I'll say it. We, were, we had already planned to go see Lego Batman, and I, the kids were looking forward to it so much. I, you know, I mean, Lego Batman was good, but I probably would have taken... I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I probably would have taken the interview, but I had promised. So. <laughs> In 130 episodes that we've done, or whatever we're at right now, this was the second time that I just felt like just like a pile <laughs> of dog crap because of the way that it didn't work out. You know, the first time it wasn't even bad scheduling. It was when we talked to Kevin Conroy. Right. And we just I couldn't loop you in. It yeah. was just a technical issue. I could not get you on the call. Yeah. And you were like, oh, it's OK. It's okay you go dude. and talk. You to go him. do it. And then yeah. later you told me that Hannah came in and she was like, but. It's Batman. Why aren't you talking to Batman? <laughs> and that just made me feel terrible. Well, and, and this time it was fine because I was like, I, I, the good of the show to me is more important than me personally. And like you said, it, this could just not happen next week. That's the way that the, the nature of what we do, right? Yeah. Like it could just be like, well, she's not available for six months. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just yeah. like, do it. You got to do it. So we, and I'm glad you did. It was a great interview. And, and you really, you really find a way to bring things out of people and in, in the interview questions that you write is fantastic. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thankfully I was able to, uh, Will James, who is another yeah. uh, contributor to the geek dad came in and, um, assumed the second chair and he is a huge fan. So, um, yeah, he is a huge fan of, of Battlestar and of awesome. Katie in particular. So it was, it worked out well. So he was just thrilled to be on the, on the interview. So, awesome. and he did well, he did really well. Great. I'm glad, I'm glad he got to do it. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kyle, stay. That's the better, the bitterness oozing from me. 
<laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming back. If you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe button. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, facebook.com slash the GBB podcast, same as Twitter. And I'm Justin at 140 C. And I'm Jamie at the Roarbot. We'll see you next week. Take care. This podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.